Okay. I think we're ready to get started here. Uh, welcome, everybody. It's good to have you here. Welcome to everybody who is online. Great to have you here as well with us. Uh, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on this team, and it is good to see you. Are you ready to go today, church? Ready to get going? Hey, I don't know if you, uh, you heard this. One of my favorite sounds in the church is, are, are babies. Did you hear some babies this morning? It just kind of shows the life. And uh, it, it, when I listen to these babies, it also makes me feel really old. And uh, because this afternoon, in just minutes, I'm going to make my way to you, Vic, where our son is graduating today. So, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So, uh, and I don't want to go back to baby world. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just not there. So God bless you, parents of young ones. Uh, is good. This last week, I had the opportunity to have lunch with some friends, and it just so happened that the conversation turned to sports because I, I like sports and we talk about sports all the time. And in specific, it, it turned to the NHL, and we started to talk about the NHL. And uh, I know that uh, I'm not here today to trounce upon the Edmonton Oilers fans of Canada, uh, but sucks to suck. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> And uh, so part of the conversation in that uh, we were having with the people, they, we were talking about some of the NHL teams that I don't like. Uh, and so I, I mentioned a couple of teams, Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I just don't like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, this friend that I was with, I know, they said, like, why don't you like the Toronto Maple Leafs? And I just simply said to them, because they think that they're the center of the universe. To which the friend said, well, we are. And I was like, okay, uh, that's why I don't like you. And he, so it was that team in Calgary, but for whatever sake. And then, then the conversation flips, like, Sean, who's your team? And so I said, this team uh, called the Vancouver Canucks, and I hung my head in shame. Uh, <laughs> you know how the, how the drill goes. And so, I, I, but then I, I had to put a disclaimer around it. I'm like, actually, probably since about 2011 or so, there was this significant event that happened here in Canada, and uh, I decided to not like hockey anymore. And, and it, it just so happened that the Vancouver Canucks made the, uh, made the Stanley Cup finals against the Devils team, Boston Bruins. And, uh, sorry, and, uh, and I, like, I still have issues. <laughs> you can sense that. But I said, I actually walked away from hockey. And my, my, my wife would say, Lisa, she would actually say that when that event happened that I cried. And uh, my wife's a liar, and I'm asking you to pray for her uh, today. <laughs> And, uh, but uh, it, I'm telling you, for like days after the game seven went down and, and weeks after, like I was, I was moaning and groaning. I was walking around like, and it, it dawned on me a little bit into the journey that how could I allow a team of 20 plus year olds, young adults to influence me the way that they had. Like they had a grip on my heart, my life was over, nothing else mattered. And how many of you think that I have problems today? Right? Like I have problems my whole life, but a number of weeks later, I'm still wrestling with the fact that they lost to your team. And uh, I can't believe it. And it's in those times and those spaces sometimes where as we've been talking about the Holy Spirit this morning, the Holy Spirit shows up. And he starts to talk to me. He's like, Sean, you got a problem. And I'm like, thank you very much. Uh, this is so good. He's like, no, 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 you need to understand. You, you do have a problem. And it was there where the Holy Spirit started to reveal to me that I had created in my life this thing called an idol. I had allowed something so silly to influence and impact me so deeply 
And it was there where God kind of had another conversation and just said, you know what you've done with my relationship to you is you've compromised yourself for something else. You've compromised. And it's that thought today of compromise is where I'd like to have a conversation this morning. Because how many of you know the person sitting right beside you today has compromised something in your life? Don't put up your hand, you may get in trouble. But we've all compromised. We've all had these moments in front of the Lord where things haven't been what they should have been. And to do that, we're going to look again at the book of Revelation. And our church is steeped in Revelation right now. We're looking to learn what Jesus is trying to say to us. And so there is a particular message that Jesus gives today to the church of Thyatira. And the church of Thyatira had some things going through it, and Jesus wanted to talk about it. So today we're going to talk about Thyatira, and we're going to talk about Colwood Church. Are you okay with that? Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. Okay, like it's time to get going. Anyway, that's good. This is what it says. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be on the screen for you. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church of Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flames of fire and whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. And then everybody say it with me. But... Isn't that your favorite English word? But I have this one complaint against you. You're permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered titles. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. Then all, the ch- then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and the intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. Deeper truths, as they call them. Depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end. To them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give them the morning star. Someone say morning star. We're going to pick that up in a moment. But anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to all the churches. Let's pray as we've read the word of the Lord. This last verse, Father, I thank you. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. On this Pentecost Sunday, Father, I thank you that you have permitted your Holy Spirit to speak to us. So I ask that um, in a very supernatural way, you will touch all of our ears right now, in Jesus' name, to hear what the Spirit is saying to our church. And that we would be people who would comply with the things that you are looking for in us. I ask that, Jesus, you would uncover things in our lives today that have no place with you. And that you will help us, Spirit of God, to be the people you have called us to be. So thank you, Jesus, for this time. Bless it and use it. Speak to us, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I'd like to speak to us from the subject either or. Our series is not as it seems. 
oftentimes in the book of Revelation, our, our author is going to hear something and he's going to turn around and it's going to be completely different. And so we're looking at this idea of how God is teaching all of us and things may not be as it seems. In fact, the book that we are studying is called Revelation. In the Greek, the word is apocalypsis. Now, when we hear the word apocalypse, many of us want to begin to think about the doomsday narrative of our world. The zombies are coming, right? But the reality is that's not what this book is about. The revelation is about a revealing. And the revelation that is being brought is about the person whose name is Jesus. And here's some good news for you today. Jesus is in control. Even when the world don't seem like it, he still is. Somebody say amen. That's good news for us today. And what's taking place here is that there is an unveiling and an uncovering. Jesus wants to communicate some truths to us today so that our discipleship before him moves the way it needs to. And this is exactly what, the, what Jesus is doing with the church of Thyatira today. He's wanting to uncover some things. And so what he does in most of the letters to these churches, he wants to uncover some things that he disclosed to us in chapter 1. So in chapter 1, we get this exhaustive list of the person of Jesus, who he's like, what he's about. And in this particular church, I don't know if you caught it, but he says three things about himself that he wants them to be aware of. He says that he is the son of God or the son of man. It says that he has eyes of fire and that he has feet of bronze. And we're going to look at what that exactly means for us today. Thyatira, as the city, was, was the center of worship of Apollo. Apollo was the god of sunlight, the divine guardian of the city. He was the patron god of the many work guilds that were around. And wherever he went, people wanted to honor Apollo. Uh, it was a big deal. In fact, people believed that the Roman emperor Domitian was the incarnation of Apollo. In fact, when people looked at Domitian and Apollo, they referred to them both as the sons of Zeus. And Zeus was the primary god figure of the Greek culture. But they were looked at as the, as the sons of, of Zeus. In fact, the emperor Domitian, he even names his own son, catch this, he names his own son the son of God. And in fact, he takes his son's image and he places them on the coins of the culture of that day and there is his son on the coins, and his hand is held out like this, and in his hand are seven stars, which immediately should rewind us back to chapter one, where it showed us that Jesus was in the middle of the churches, and he was holding the seven stars in his hand. Domitian is making a claim to his whole entire empire that his son is, like, is the son of God. He was placing a pressure upon his own son, and he was taking away an image already that Jesus wanted to give. That's why Jesus gives us the image of him being the one who holds the seven stars in his own hand to say this, Domitian, you got nothing because I'm the king of kings and I'm the Lord of lords. I am the son of God. And Jesus, for some reason, wants to say to Thyatira, don't look at that young kid. I want you to look at me. I am the one who holds the seven stars. I am the one who is in power. I am the one who is in control. Isn't that a cool connection as to what Jesus is trying to say to the church of Thyatira today? And I think he's saying it to the church of Colwood. He is the one who is the son of God and no one else compares. No one else competes. Jesus is alone in it all. Then he says that he's got eyes of fire. 
The thing about these eyes of fire, which is important for us to consider, is that Jesus sees you. He sees everything about you. He sees your good times, but guess what? He also sees your bad stuff. You got bad stuff, anybody? He sees it all. And it says these eyes of fire, and there's something specific about this because what those eyes of fire represent is he's looking for purity. He's looking for the refinement of his people. As gold is applied in the furnace of fire, so Jesus wants to take your life, and with his eyes of fire, he wants to refine you to his likeness and to his glory. And not only that, it says he's got feet of bronze, which represent this. Jesus is steady. He is immovable. He is going to stand on the things of who he is and nothing is going to change this. This world is not going to catch him off guard. You are not going to catch him off guard because he is a rock and he is a firm foundation. But what Jesus is really trying to communicate to the church of Thyatira is this. I am also a God of justice. We all like his grace. We all like it when he gives us a second chance. But what Jesus is about to reveal to Thyatira is that I'm about justice. I am going to give you what you deserve if you choose to walk in certain ways that are outside of who he is and what he wants for you. And he wants Thyatira and Colwood Church today to pay attention that not is he only a God of grace. He is a God of justice. And he is going to put our sin on display so that he can deal with that in our lives. I think that that's a pretty neat thing, that God would be willing to do that, not strike me dead, but give me a chance and to work his grace and justice into my life. So Jesus does this then by telling us who he is one more time with those three attributes, and then he wants to affirm his church. So he looks at Thyatira and he says these amazing things about them, and we've read it earlier, but he said, listen, I love your love your faith, your service, your patient endurance. Jesus is saying, like, I see you. You know, you're doing well. In fact, I think Jesus looks at Call with Church and he's like, I see you. I see how you love. I see your faith. I see that you strive to be better and all of these things. I see you today. And then our favorite, maybe unfavorite, not favorite, three-letter word shows up, but. Somebody say, but. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear the word but, it kind of erases everything that just happened up here. Do you ever notice that? Oh, you're the best person in the world, pastor, but you need hair. Okay. <laughs> so, no, don't clap for that. <laughs> but, you know, you, you say what you want to say. And so Jesus said, hey, Thyatira, I see you. So many good things, but. And it's as if, and this isn't Jesus because he, he doesn't do this. This is my own human thinking. When I hear the word but, it erases everything that was just said for, this is like, this is the important message I need you to hear. And so what Jesus does at that point is he says, but, and although he doesn't say these specific words, I'm using them today, but things are not as they seem. And it's here where Jesus then transitions one more time with the church of Thyatira, and he not only moves them away from their affirmation, he moves them to correction. I've got to talk to you about something, Thyatira. I've got to talk to you about something, Call with Church. And this is very important to what I need in you. And Thyatira was a very prosperous commercial center. It, in fact, it was the manufacturing and marketing hub of this Roman Empire. William Barclay would say that the roads which passed through Thyatira brought half the trade of half the world to its doors. 
Thyatira was a big deal. And yet they were looked at as the least of these in their history. But they actually had a lot of importance wrapped around them. Perhaps you may remember a certain lady whose name was Lydia. She's found in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Lydia was from Thyatira. And it was in that story in Acts where we learn of her selling the city's famous purple cloth. Thyatira was famous for its guilds. And Pastor Tyson has, over the last couple of weeks, been sharing with us, and he kind of unpackaged this a little bit, about these guilds, their worker guilds. And what that meant was that you, to belong in Thyatira and some of the other surrounding cities that we have been addressing, you wanted to belong to these guilds. They were a worker guild. They were to be a part of a society, a section, a group, a connect group. It's that type of an idea. And there were many types of guilds that were happening in Thyatira. Things like if you were a wool worker, if you were into linens, as Lydia was, or to dyeing, um, the cloths, again, Lydia, leather, tanners, potters, bakers. The thing about these guilds that we have to understand is that you could not make it financially in this city without belonging to a member of one of these guilds. You just couldn't do it. But oftentimes these guilds um, move from the work culture to more of a social structure. And it was here where those first century Christians began to have issues and problems. Because to belong to these guilds meant that you had an ability to sustain. But if you ran in conflict or were not a part of these guilds, you'd be in trouble and you couldn't make it. But when it came to these social settings, you would go to these little parties and gatherings and there would be wine that would be poured out to these gods like Apollo. And so you would have to sit and be a part of something that you knew intrinsically was not right because you believed in Jesus, you believed in Yahweh, and you wouldn't want to make the mistake. Oftentimes at these moments, they would sacrifice animals again to these false gods, and then they would eat the meat together. But to a first century Jewish person, you knew that that wasn't right either. And many times these parties degenerated into scenes of drunkenness and sexual immorality. Do you see today the tension that this first century church had? I mean, I want to live for you, Jesus. I, want, I really want to do it, but man, my city is going to hell in a handbasket. Like everything about us around us is falling down. And how can I live for you in this culture? Have you ever heard that said before? Have you ever said that before? And what I want us to see today is that these people in first century Christianity, they were asking, how can I be faithful in the marketplace? How can I be faithful in this world? And Jesus, with eyes of grace and justice, he looks at Thyatira, I, I see you. I see all your good things but I've got this one thing against you. And he says this, compromise has crept into your life. Just like the Vancouver Canucks, Sean. Compromise has come to the city. Compromise has come to the life of the believer. In specific, Jesus calls out their compromise and our compromise in two things. And it was idol worship and sexual immorality. 
To do this, Jesus identifies a woman whose name is Jezebel. And I don't know if Jezebel was a very real person in the church of Thyatira, but we do know that Jezebel is a very real person out of the Old Testament. And I got to tell you this about Jezebel. She was one bad woman. She was not good. In fact, you may have heard in our culture, you look at somebody, you're like, you're just a real Jezebel. Or you've got a Jezebel spirit. And it's referring to this, this significant figure out of the Old Testament, whose name was Jezebel. It's like calling somebody a Judas or Hitler when we use this word. And Jesus, for some reason, wants to say, you need to pay attention because there's a Jezebel running around and she is teaching wrong things to you. So please hear what I have to say. And Jezebel teaches us a lot of things. She was King Ahab's wife. Both her and her husband were hostile to God and to God's people. So much so that they would execute the, fault of the, the prophets of God because they stood in the way of what they were trying to establish. What Jezebel brought to the table was the worship of Baal. She erected Asher of poles, false sacrifice places. She was basically saying to Israel, this is what you should be doing. And she raised her own false prophets to teach the message everywhere to everyone. And this is Jezebel. I'm not joking when I said she was one bad woman. And she, she had her moments under the sun there. But this is what she was really trying to pitch to the nation of Israel. And I think that she would pitch it to you and me today. That you could serve God and you could serve something else. Many of us have this relationship with Jesus in this room. Some may not, and that's okay. We hope that you um, explore that and get there one moment. But many of us, we love Jesus, but we love these other things too. And we want to lift up these things in our life a little bit more importantly than Jesus. And what Jezebel is doing is she is saying, listen, you could do both of them. And yet we have a problem with that. If we were to rewind into Exodus chapter 20, we'd quickly see God telling you and I today in the Ten Commandments, the Ten Rules that people will often refer to. The very second one is, you shall have no other idols before me. And yet, Sean Chapman, in 2011, had a pretty significant one. Perhaps you today have an idol that has represented itself in your life. And then a few short verses later, another one of the commands of God is that you shall not commit adultery, which then leads into this context of sexual immorality. I want us to see today that Jesus knows to the church of Thyatira and to Colwood Church, he knows that living for him in that culture city, our culture, our city, is extremely hard to do at times. Would you agree with that? It is hard to live for Jesus when all of this stuff is going around us. But again, we're reminded of this exact series that we are in in Revelation is that at its baseline, Revelation is about your discipleship, my discipleship. Jesus looks at Thyatira, you're doing great in so many things, people, but I want to work on this part of your discipleship so that I can craft you to be who I need you to be. If Jezebel represents the both and position her preference to us today is you could serve Jesus and anything else you want and you could hold them equally up here. And notice that it's not Jesus 
or Baal. It's both of them at the same time. Unfortunately, you and I, we get this thing confused far too often. And I do believe that many of us today have experienced and allowed idols to be established inside of our lives. Let me say a list of things that are extremely good. But I would dare to say that some of us have made them idols. Perhaps your work has become an idol in your life. Perhaps your education is something that has become an idol. Perhaps you have a hobby that has become an idol. Some of us, our relationships have become the idol. That when the relationship falls apart, my life is over and I can't continue. How crazy is that? Or our pets, things all around us. But here's the question I'm asking today. What holds more attention in your life than God? Think about that for a second. None of those things I just listed are bad. But when they take their place over God, I guess we got a problem. And then sexual immorality is addressed, which was dominant in that culture. I mean, sex was life for Thyatira and some of those communities around. We realize today that the push and the pull of sexual sin is everywhere in our culture, is it not? In fact, self-gratification and pleasure dominate a lot of people. We look at this story of sexual sin and we're like, I could do whatever I want. I'm okay. That's not going to affect me. By me doing that, that's not going to touch me. What do you mean I could only be with one person my whole entire life? Listen, I'm going to take care of me and it's okay. And we quickly see the slippery slope of self-gratification and pleasure and how they dominate inside of our lives. I'll make this admission to us today, is that we have sexual disorientation and sin all around us, everywhere. I mean, we could talk about lust, we could talk about pornography, we could talk about gender identity, we could talk about homosexual and yet we oftentimes forget the heterosexual relationships and everything that's wrapped around it. The one thing I see is that we have a humanity problem, not a particular person problem. We have sexual disorientation all around, and this is exactly what Jezebel wants to have in our lives. And for the record, Jezebel is referred to just as a female. Guys, that does not get us off the hook, okay? That's not what we're talking about. There are some pretty bad guys too, right guys? You know, like, so this is not just about females. Do not misread that piece. What I'm saying today is we have sexual disorientation in this culture and it screams at you. Take care of yourself. Do this. It's going to be okay. If God's grace is good, then you can do whatever you want and you'll be okay. No, you cannot. That's detrimental to our spiritual relationship. There is an urban myth about if you were to take a frog, a living frog, and place it into a, a pot of boiling water, that frog will quickly jump out. That's a good frog, right? Smart. But if you were to take that same frog and you were to place him in a pot of water, place it on the stove, and then turn the heat on, that the frog will stay relaxed in those waters until it reaches the critical zone of boiling water to which it will then go to its death. Urban myth, but this is what I'm asking today. When it comes to sexual immorality, sexual sin, 
Are you like the frog? Have you become acclimatized to what is around you, to what is just normal? Have you allowed something to affect you so that it has choked you out and you have no clue what it is anymore? Could it be that we have become acclimatized in this culture to sexual immorality that is around us and we are in trouble? Jesus says that out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth is going to speak, your body will act. Well, if your mouth is going to speak, your body is going to act. It must mean that you have placed something in in order for it to come out. Does that make sense? And I wonder if we have become so acclimatized by the things we have put into our lives where we see the spiritual decay when it comes to our sexuality in the church today. And this is serious stuff, is it not? And we have to look at the inputs that are happening in and around us. It's time for some of us in this room today and online, it's time for you to stop listening to some of the music you're listening to because it is filling your mind with sexual immorality. It is time for some of us today with the movies that we are watching. Oh, it's not a big deal. I mean, it's okay. I'll just fast forward that part. Seriously. It is time to look at some of these inputs. I'll pick on television a little bit. There's a lot of stuff on television today that is not healthy for us. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, Game of Thrones. I'm telling you today, these shows are steeped in sexual immorality. And Jezebel would tell you that it's okay, but Jesus says, no, it's not. I need holiness and purity from my church. And you see today as Jezebel presents herself of Jesus and something else, of Jesus and this, what Jesus is saying today is that I am not that. I am an either or option for us today. And church, I think we have to get back to what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, I want your holiness exclusively, alone. I'm not into a multi-person relationship thing here. I want you exclusively. I want to be with you alone. And church, it is time for us to come back to these places of, of holiness with Jesus. And I know it's really quiet in here because this is uncomfortable. But we have to talk about this stuff because what Pastor Tyson did a couple weeks ago and what I see in Thyatira is that there are people teaching you that it is okay. And by the grace of God, I'm here to tell you today, no, it's not. Jesus wants his attention by yourself for himself exclusively. He really does. Why is this so important to us today? Because when we compromise, folks, it means that we are committing spiritual adultery. And spiritual adultery inevitably leads to spiritual sickness and eventually to spiritual death. What Jesus is raising to the surface in Thyatira is he's asking one question. Who are you going to follow? Are you going to follow Jezebel? And if you do, you're going to get in trouble. Or will you follow me? This whole idea of our discipleship in the book of Revelation is so critical. He's asking who's going to be Lord? Your idols? Or will you allow me to be the Lord of your life? And it makes me ask the question, like, what is shaping you today? What are the inputs that you are allowing into your life? What's shaping you? What is bringing influence and is making you be the person that you are? This is what Jesus' messages to Thyatira is all about. And folks, please understand that we still wrestle with the spirit of compromise every day. 
I mean, Jezebel still has her prophets everywhere. And they're going to teach you one thing. I understand that um, Disneyland has the copyright of the happiest place in the world. So have you ever thought about the least happiest place in the world? <laughs> For me, it's the dentist office. <laughs> now, please, if you're in dentistry, love ya. I love my dentist. I love my dental hygienist. In fact, I get to marry my dental hygienist and her fiancé in a couple weeks. Cool story. But so here's the deal. A couple weeks ago, I had to go to the dentist. And so as I'm going to the dentist, I hate it. Like, I just don't like the chair. I know what has to be done. And so my dentist pulls out this needle beside me. And I hate needles. It makes me cringe. He pulls out this needle, you know, does the... And I'm like, I need to leave. Like, but I sit in the chair, lean back, and the dentist takes this needle, which is full of an anesthetic. And for the sake of the conversation, because people have heard this before, lidocaine, takes this anesthetic and applies it into the back corner of my mouth. And, it's, it's, and what happens in that, in just a few moments, is my whole entire face is numb. It is the funniest thing ever. If you've never tried this before, just go try it for fun. It's just, it's such a, I'm just kidding, don't do that. I'm totally numb. Like, it, it, there's nothing I could do. And it's so silly in that, like, I'm drooling out of the corner of my mouth. You try to take a drink a couple hours later and you're like still slobbering and getting all this stuff out. But this idea of the lidocaine and placing it onto my mouth so that they could do the dental work that they need, it's important to understand that, that lidocaine today, it, it actually deadens the nerve endings, right? Like that's the purpose so that they could go in and they could begin to do the deep work. And so as I was thinking about this message today and getting ready for us, I actually have a question for you and I when it comes to lidocaine in our lives because I want to say that in the topics of idolatry or sexual immorality, I'm wondering, church, have you applied spiritual lidocaine to your own life? Are you so numb to the idol that is there? Are you so numb to the sexual sin that you will continue in. And I wonder, as Jesus spoke to Thyatira, he's like, why have you applied spiritual lidocaine to your heart? It's numb. And it being numb is not where I need you to be. I want to bring healing to your life. This is not Jesus and Baal. It's Jesus or nothing else. And I think today that we have to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. Are you numb? See, the sin of the church was that they allowed this corruption. They allowed compromise. Now, I know this has been a little heavy. But there is good news in this message. And it's going to come right now. See, the good news happens in verse 21 where Jesus says, I see what Jezebel has done. I know what's happening in your city, in your culture. I know the chaos and the nonsense that we have been lost in. I see it all because he's got the eyes of fire. He says, I see it all, but I've done one thing with Jezebel and I've encouraged her to repent. Say that word, repent. 
I've encouraged her to repent, but she has made the choice that she doesn't want to go down that road right now. Okay, but Jesus with Jezebel, Jesus with Thyatira, Jesus with you today, Callwood Church, says all I need you to do if you are caught in idolatry or sexual immorality is repent and you will understand the grace of God. See, this is the beauty about Jesus, that he'll always bring repentance to the table again because he's a God of the second chance. Like some of us think that we are so lost in our idolatry or in our sexual sin. No, you are not. That's a lie from the enemy. And God is saying, I could bring freedom to you if you let me, but you got to repent. And remember I talked to us about at the beginning when he displays who he is, son of God, eyes of fire, feet of bronze, justice. Here's the deal. God is going to bring justice to our lives if we choose not to repent too. We have to hear this. We all love his grace, but he will bring his justice. And he tells Thyatira, I will deal with you according to your deeds. But more important than that to me today is this incredible love of God that in my idolatry, in my sexual sin, he says, Sean Chapman, I love you. Repent and come back to me. And I'm going to do some things in you that are going to be unbelievable. Here's the deal, church. You have a choice in this moment. So what will you do? Jesus continues in this text and he encourages by saying that there are some of you in the room today, some of you who are online, and you have not given into these disastrous ways. Thank God. You know, some of you today, you need to understand that you could be sitting in your chair or on your couch at home and you are not struggling with, things, with these things. Praise God. Thank you. What it shows me is that we can live for Jesus. It shows me that I don't have to give into idolatry. It shows me I don't have to give into sexual immorality that is pervasive in this culture. He says that you can do this. So be encouraged today. You are making a choice to continue, but you can make a choice to not continue. And it will be good for you and for I. And then he says, and this is where I'm going to close. In verse 28, they have, and when we live this way is really what he is saying that you and I will have the same authority that Jesus received from the Father. And I will also give them the morning star, it says. Somebody say morning star. I'll give them the morning star. So what is happening here? Did you know that in the last chapter in the book of Revelation, Jesus refers to himself as this, the bright and morning star. Now this one here is lowercase, okay? But Jesus makes an identification as to who he is. Why the morning star? What is so important about this moment? And for that, I'm going to turn to just a paragraph in this book that I use in my studies today. But I want to hear this. The morning star. I'll give you the morning star. Today, if you are struggling with idolatry, struggling with sexual immorality, Jesus says that he wants to give the morning star. This is what it means. The morning star usually appears at the darkest time of the night, just about two or three o'clock in the morning. It usually emerges at that point when the night is as dark as it is going to get. When it appears, there is no sign of the dawn. But when it appears, very faint and small at first, you know that the night cannot withstand the dawn. It is just a matter of time until the dawn wipes away the night. I love this. See, the morning star pulls the morning in behind it, 
just as certainly as Jesus pulls the kingdom in behind him. Jesus says that I will give you the morning star. He is saying that he will especially encourage those who remain loyal to him. If we just keep our eyes on him, the bright morning star, we will remember that the struggle is almost over and we will have the courage to keep following even when it seems costly to do. He wants to give you the morning star today. Isn't that good news? The bright morning star is shining a light with his eyes of fire onto idolatry and sexual immorality today. If that is you, repent. And Jesus will accept you. He'll love you. And he will give you this promise of the morning star. His light wants to shine. Will you let him shine? Will you pray with me today? All eyes closed in this place. Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask a question of us in this place and with your eyes closed. Perhaps you are in this place today and you are struggling with idolatry or sexual sin. Jesus says repent. It means you take a step towards him and you turn away from that which is what you have been doing. And if you are here today and you are struggling in any one of those arenas, I want to pray for you. So if that's you today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm struggling, will you pray with me in one of those areas? Will you just raise your hand right where you are, even if you're at home? Go ahead. There are hands in this room that are being raised today. If that's you, this is just between you and God. So Jesus, you see our hands today. And I thank you for the invitation to your grace. I thank you that it is in your justice that We talk about these tough things because you don't want us to live on these pathways of destruction. You want to bring fullness, life, and freedom to us. And so for my friends today, I pray with their hands raised that you would come and minister to them. You would encourage them that they could break the cycle as to which they have been living in, that with your divine help, that they could turn another path and walk another way. And I pray today, Jesus, that it would be about your forgiveness your grace, your mercy. And thank you that you are so concerned about our discipleship today that we will talk about these tough issues. And I pray for a church, Colwood Church, that you will make us to be a people of holiness and integrity, that you will allow us today to move towards you and not this world. I know you love the people of this world and we are to love the people of this world, but help us, Jesus, to say no to some of these things that are nonsensical, that come from Jezebel, that are not of you. This is not a both-and story today. It's an either-or. And Jesus, help us to choose you, for you are the bright and morning star. And when I set my eyes on you, that darkness will fade. So help my friends today, I pray. And with all eyes closed place you may be here and you have never accepted this bright and morning star whose name is Jesus. Well, it'd be a privilege of ours to lead you towards him. At the conclusion of this prayer, there's going to be a number on the screen and we're encouraging you to text LIFE to 250-478-7113 and it is here where if you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can make that decision today. We repent of our sin. We say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for the cross and the life that you have brought. So I pray today, Father, that you would seal all of these things. Holy Spirit, speak to us still as we leave this place today. Help us to know you and what you're saying to us. Help us to be a church. 
that doesn't live in compromise. Help us to be more like you, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you are brand new here today at Call Church, thank you for being here. Please go say hi to Pastor James, Pastor Tyson, who are sitting in the Welcome Center. And church, I hope that you have a fantastic week living a life of no compromise. We will see you next week as we continue, not as it seems. We love you. Have a fantastic week.